Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hey everyone, welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. My name is Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. (laughs) 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 Going back a ways on that one. Okay, thanks for listening, and welcome to episode number four. Last episode on three, we talked about Jesus as our creator, and today we're jumping into Hebrews 1. Tim, I know this chapter also discusses Jesus as being the creator. Are we going to continue with that, or are we diving into something else today? Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into something else. Hebrews 1, like if you can kind of think of going to a July 4th fireworks event where they kind of start off with some, you know, fireworks, but then they have a grand finale. Well, Hebrews kind of does the grand finale on the front end of the book. Mm. And you just have, it's just a very densely packed chapter that exposes a lot of different things about Jesus, uses a lot of different concepts, a lot of different metaphors and words. And so we're just going to kind of read through, we'll probably do more than one podcast on this one because it it really is so packed and it really is like a a massive fireworks show Mm. going off in there. So on Hebrews one, Hebrews chapter one, are we, um, are you talking about the first part of the chapter? We're going to do two podcasts on. Well, I guess it depends on how much we get through today. I guess we should get started, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump in. You may read, start reading. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just start with verse one. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Yeah, okay, so nothing real earth-shattering here, but he's kind of setting up this idea that whenever God wanted to reveal something, he kind of took different people at different times, and it's almost like he was drip-feeding his revelation. Uh, He would give a nugget here, a nugget there, and he would spread it out across time and he's about to make a really big contrast um you know one of the questions you could potentially ask yourself is well well exactly why did god do it like that like why didn't he you know give us all the revelation on the front end publish a book and just kind of drop it out of the sky and then you know everyone from that point forward would have access you know to all of the revelation but for some reason, he decided to spread it out and drip feed it through different people. And he's kind of setting up, he's, he's about to say, but he's done something different. Yeah, I kind of feel that way um, now. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> right. like, uh, we got the situation. God, can you just tell me everything that I need to know about it now? <laughs> that would be great. At the front end. But no, it's a drip feed. Drip feed. Yeah, it's a, it's a great metaphor. Uh, he, he definitely doesn't let it all out all at once and that that's a you know a whole discussion for another podcast about revelation and about it is. why it comes out incrementally and right yeah. yeah it's true okay so we want to keep reading in too yep has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds okay so here's where the fire the the, the fireworks start going off 
in contrast to drip feeding and spreading it out, he's saying God has concentrated and funneled revelation through this one individual. And it kind of raises the question about what qualifies him to kind of carry from that point forward the revelation. Why can he receive things that other people only received in parts? Why is it now being all channeled through the one that he identifies as a son? And so I, I think that's, you know, the like some of the categories we're going we're gonna to use today are going to start with the letter R or the letter S, um, or at least most of them will. And so in this particular um, you know, point in the text, we're just going to talk about Jesus as the revealer. There's something special about Jesus that allows all of that revelation to come through him. You know, he's going to get into this qualifications later on in Hebrews 1, but it is something that is very unique about Jesus. It's kind of like when Jesus came along, he became the Walmart of Revelation. He is the one-stop shop. Whereas beforehand, you had to go to different stores to get this or to get that, and you had to kind of go all over town to find what you were looking for, but he's kind of like, you know, as much as I don't like Walmart, that's the best illustration I can think of. (laughs) I think something that comes up here too, and, and this is kind of a nerd moment, Um, is that in various translations, it says that he has, in these last days, spoken spoken to us by his son, or other translations use different words. But if you get into the actual Greek, it doesn't have the word his there. It actually is more accurately translated that he has spoken to us in these last days by a son, It's kind of an interesting uh, uh, note to take because essentially what this writer is functioning out of is they're functioning out of what, you know, Michael Heiser would call the divine council worldview. If you're writing to Jewish people who are familiar with the Old Testament and you're trying to make a point about Jesus, essentially what he's doing is he's making a soft landing. He's kind of starting out with some common ground and he's starting from a place of commonality by saying, In times past, God revealed things through prophets, but now he's revealing them through a son. And so a Jewish listener would immediately perk up and say, oh, if it's not a human and it's a son, it must be one of the members of the divine council. It must be one of the sons of God that are up in heaven that surround God's throne. Up until this point, a Jewish person would would still be nodding their head. Yes. Okay. Cool. I get it. Um, But he's definitely elevated the source of revelation from a mere human being up to a divine being, a spiritual being. And uh, it's not until, you know, you get in through uh, the rest of verse 3 and start getting into verse 4 and 5 that you start seeing just how different this son is that this particular son is different from all the other sons in God's divine counsel. And so there's, there's definitely something unique about him, and which is in some ways what qualifies him to be the revealer, to be the one-stop shop source for revelation. Hmm. That's a big can to open with the divine counsel <laughs> yeah. and all that. But um, 
I know that we're going to talk about that even more in the future. So I'm glad that um, we're bringing it up now. Yeah, it's kind of like an infomercial, I guess. You could take that as an advertisement. <laughs> advertisement. Or, or a teaser, if you will. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. Well, I think another thing to that, that kind of comes to mind when we're talking about Jesus as the source of revelation is I'm always thinking about metaphors people use with the Trinity. And one of the metaphors that has come up in my reading about the Trinity has been this idea of uh, the Father sort of being like the uh, the voice, and then the Son is the words that the voice is speaking, and then the Spirit is the breath that is being breathed out while the voice is speaking the words. You know, you could kind of play around with this in the music scene where you could say, you know, that the Trinity is kind of like different notes coming together to form a single note. And yet there's different wavelengths of sound that are joining together, and yet it's one note or one chord, if you will. Um, and so, you know, this idea that Jesus is is the, the revelation, it doesn't mean that the Father and the Spirit are not involved in that revelation. It just means that he is the words or the, you know, as, as the Hebrew writer would say, it is through him and through him onward that revelation comes. Mm, wow, those are two really good metaphors. And I think that's perfect for what we're talking about now because, I mean, revelation and word, I mean, those kind of things kind of are connected. I like that because you have the voice and the word and the breath that's all coming out, like at the same time, really. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, one of, one of my friends, uh, David Johnson, introduced me to that metaphor and he said, think about it. You can't really say a word without breathing. You can't say a word without your voice. And the very fact that you're pronouncing a word, the word is just the sounds, but then the voice is also has tone. It has volume. And so there's things that are distinct about the voice that are distinct from the words that are being spoken. Mm-hmm. But then you can breathe without saying anything. And so there's like all these distinctions between them, but then they all come together to create revelation mm. on our end. It's, it's, it's a really cool metaphor. That's wonderful. I like it. Shall we continue? Yeah, let's let's keep moving. Once he brings up this son that is a part of the divine council, he then uses this language that he is an heir of all things. This is a sort of a deep topic, so we'll, we'll only touch briefly on it, and we'll do it more deeply in another episode in the future. But basically, to be an heir is essentially to say that someone is a firstborn. And in the Jewish and also in a lot of other cultures, the firstborn son would receive the inheritance. In our culture, you receive the inheritance when your parents die. But in their culture, the parents did not have to die in order for the firstborn to start sharing in the possessions of their parents. It says that the son was appointed heir of all things. My understanding of this is that this is actually referring to that Jesus will actually receive that inheritance at the end of the age. In other words, this is something that's going to happen at the second coming where he receives as an inheritance, like the Psalms would say, that he receives the nations as an inheritance. But he's going to receive more than the nations. He's going to receive all of creation as his own inheritance. 
being an heir of all things is more about the status that he has in the family than it is about, you know, sort of like a succession plan. Yes, that's something we'll, we'll kind of open up in a later podcast. We'll go a little bit deeper into Jesus as the inheritor um, of all things. And then he, of course, that he says that he through him he also made the worlds. And we kind of covered that in our last podcast. So, <laughs> yep. yep. You want to you go to the next verse? Yes, I can. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this is where the grand finale really starts jumping in. I mean, things are really starting to pop here. The first phrase that he uses is that he is the brightness of his glory. And, you know, glory is one of those church words, right? Definitely. That people use and you're like, okay, I get it, but I don't. Like, what, what exactly do we mean by glory? And one way to think about glory is the fullness. If you think about a flower that comes in the full bloom, that means you see the flower in all its glory. If we were to just kind of translate that, it would be that he is the brightness of the fullness of God. Uh, and so we're, we're just going to kind of riff off this metaphor that he's using here because the word brightness there, it has this idea of like radiance. And so there's our R. <laughs> is that Jesus radiates the fullness or the glory of God. And that metaphor of light, one one way to think about this in Trinitarian terms, is that the Father is like the Son, S-U-N, and Jesus, the Son, S-O-N, is like the light that radiates from the Son. And then the Spirit would be kind of like the warmth that comes from that light that radiates from the sun. I really like that metaphor because he's really just kind of unpacking a little bit this concept of Jesus being the revelation. Because that's what light does, right? It reveals things. It comes into the darkness and exposes and reveals. And he's saying that Jesus does this. He reveals the fullness of God to us. It's an amazing concept to played around with and to explore and to dive into. Yeah, just that right there is, it is a lot to dive into. And um, it's even something personally that I've thought about a lot, um, maybe in the past year. Hmm. We had an experience uh, in one of our groups, and we were reflecting on Jesus through one of the passages. And... I just imagine Jesus just being this light, just so bright and radiant, like you said. And yeah, it was a little bit mind-blowing, but that has made it easier for me to imagine him in that way. And, And sometimes I still do. He still comes to me like that, like just super bright and radiant. And it's just really breathtaking and beautiful. Yeah, there is, so like a a short nerd note, just because I can't get away from those because they add meaning to me for, you know, the, the meaning of what we're talking about, is this, this word that he uses for brightness, it's only used one other time in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, but it's actually in like what we would call intertestamental literature. It's, it's in the book, The Wisdom of Solomon. It talks about uh, wisdom. 
in relation to creation and that this wisdom actually radiates um, the splendor of God's glory. And so what the Hebrew writer is doing here, he's already talked about Jesus being the creator of all things, right? Mm -hmm. And he's saying Jesus is like that, that wisdom, that creative logic, that creative energy that just, you know, if, if you want to think about it like in, you know, physics or whatnot, it's, it's like he, he's this generative, explosive light that just flows out of God. And I mean, that, like you say, that, that right there, just dwelling on that one metaphor and utilizing that in our view of Jesus. And even when, you know, in times of prayer or meditation, it's, it's a very life-giving uh, image that he's giving to us here. It really is such a life-giving image and just thing to think about. So let's end there. We've unpacked a lot already today, but we have more to go. So let's save the rest for uh, the next episode. Okay. Ending on that, just that thought of the radiance of Jesus, I want to encourage you to, wherever you are right now, to imagine Jesus there radiating the brightness of God's glory. Just wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever situation you're in today, take a second before you move on and just imagine him there with you radiating. Thanks so much for listening today and we will keep unpacking this next week. Sound good? Great. Please go subscribe on your platform of choice if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to continue listening. We will catch you next time. No, really, it'll be good. Take a second right now and just imagine Jesus radiating in your current circumstance.